Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me, Pastor James, coming out of Sar Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. We're working through Genesis one chapter a week, and today we land on Genesis chapter 15, where God makes a covenant with Abram. Last time in chapter 14, we saw that Abram rescued Lot, and we saw this mysterious priest king, Melchizedek. If you didn't listen to that, do go back and listen to it. Uh, it's a really interesting chapter. Lots of wonderful theories about who Melchizedek uh, could be or who he represents, but it's a really interesting thing uh, that he comes and he brings the elements that we would use in communion and he blesses Abram and he blesses God as well. Today then, chapter 15, and we see God making this covenant with Abram. And again, if you've not read Genesis 15 in a recent past, do go ahead, press pause, and we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in God's word. So Genesis 15 begins, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. So the first thing here then we see is how God, how the Lord speaks to Abram. And there's lots of ways nowadays that the Lord uh, can, can, can speak to us. Uh, I read that uh, some people have a vision and a dream uh, of, of God, the Lord, appearing to them personally. Uh, some people hear an audible voice. For some, it's that still, small voice in their mind. Uh, some people, we see in, in, in God's Word, don't we, that they're visited by angels. We see the, the working of the Spirit of God upon our mind. Uh, obviously, God as well speaks to us through His written Word, through the Word of God. And... Um, Quite often this is expounded or this is exposited by somebody teaching the word of God to us. But here, Abram is visited in, in, a, in a vision and he's told, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And he's told, Fear not. And just remember, he's just come out of this battle, uh, this great battle of kings. So he's probably a little bit scared that there's going to be some retribution. So God comes and says, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. So anything, any consequence, anything that's going to come against you as a result of the battle that you've just been in, don't worry, I am your shield. And then he says, your reward shall be very great. So Abram's got a genuine reason to be a little bit scared, but now he's also got a genuine reason to have a confident assurance and a very steadfast Trust that everything is going to be all right. Because the Lord has said to him, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And remember at the end of chapter 14, in verse 24, he said, I will take nothing. And he made a vow to the Lord, to God, to God most high. And he came through on that and he didn't take any of the, any of the spoils of battle. And he's told here, first, don't be afraid. I'm going to protect you. And also your reward shall be very great. As we continue, we read in verse 2 that, But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And I read around this that Abram is told so specifically it's going to be of your flesh and blood. This is not a, a hypothetical, hyper-spiritual 
you know, your your spiritual son, you will have a spiritual son who will take this over. Like this is this is real, this is literal. Your very own son. Maybe your Bible says something like he will come out of your loins or he's your own flesh and blood. But all that to say, any way to say that this is going to be your literal real offspring, your real son. But from when God said this to Abram, to the fulfillment of this, to when he actually has his very own son, there are 15 more years. Now just pause and, and, and take a moment and think, you know, if God said to you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to prosper you, I'm going to, I'm going to promise this to you, you'd expect it relatively soon, wouldn't you? But can you imagine waiting 15 years for this to come through? Now we're going to talk about something else that God promises later in this chapter that that needs a 400 year wait. But still 15 years, if you think back to where you were or who you were 15 years ago, it feels like a very, very long time. Doesn't it? If you think forward, if you add 15 years onto how old you are now, before something was to come true and come to fruition, most people would f- feel quite discouraged with that. It's a long time to wait. But God tells him very surely, very assuredly, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And we, and we continue in verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And we know that one of those offspring, the greatest of Abram's offspring, much further down the line. We know, don't we, that the stars, the stars in the sky, Abram's greatest offspring, we read in Revelation twenty-two sixteen, is that is that great morning star, the bright and morning star. We know that Jesus can be traced back through the, the earthly lineage to Abram. So Abram's told, look, go outside, look at the stars, try and count them if you can, because this is how many. This is the number of your offspring. And we read in verse 6, it's a massively important verse for us. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So this is Abram believing God in faith, believing the promise of God, believing in the faithfulness of God to come through on his promise. And it was counted to him as righteousness. And this is the first time in the Bible we read the word believed. And it's the first time in the Bible we, we read the word righteousness. And we see that Abram's faith, Abram's uh, justification by faith before God comes, before the law comes in. So there's no chance of being able to say, look, Abram did this or obeyed this particular law or did this to his body as a sign. This is all before any of that comes in. Again, verse 6, he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And this is mentioned so many times in the New Testament. Uh, Romans chapter 4 is, is massive for this, justification by faith. We also read of it in Galatians chapter 3. But Romans chapter 4 is a really standout passage for justification by faith. We read in Romans 4 verses 1 to 3, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to his flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And again, this is before the law. This is before 
uh, we're trying to earn our way to God through doing things or not doing things. This is just believing God. And it's counted to him as righteousness. And I read something really interesting about this, that there's a difference between, between believing God. We read here that Abraham believed the Lord. And there's a difference between that and believing in God in, in, in a sense that we just believe that he is real and that he exists. And we read in James chapter 2, verse 19, you believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. So there's a huge difference between believing in the promise of God, believing in the faithfulness of God, and just believing the Lord full stop. There's a difference between that and believing in him. And I think one leads to the other. First, we need to believe that he exists. We need to believe in him that he is real. We read about that in the book of Hebrews. But then we need to go a step beyond that and, and believe him. So we've established we believe that he is real. We believe in him. But then we need to believe him, full stop, in all that he says, in all that he does, in all the promises that he makes. And that's what Abraham did. He believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So there's this wonderful, concrete, certain promise from God and then Abraham turns around and says look God um, how am I to know that I shall possess it so the the, the, the land and um, the, the promises that you've just given me how do I know and then God gives him a, a kind of a weird shopping list he says bring me a heifer three years old a female goat three years old a ram three years old a turtle dove and a young pigeon and he brought him all these and cut them in half, and laid each half over the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now to you and to me living in 2019, this sounds really odd. You've been sent out with this kind of strange shopping list of animals. You've come back, you've chopped them in half, and you've laid them out with a space down the middle so that you could walk down the middle. And that sounds really weird. But at the time, this is how a contract was signed as such. Um, we read the same in, in Jeremiah 34, and we've talked about the same as, we, as we're preaching through Hebrews on a Friday morning. We said that when God makes a covenant, as he does here with Abram and as Jesus did for all of us, uh, the, 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 the literal word-for-word -word way to say that would be to cut a covenant. So you would cut something and you would walk down the middle of it together, the two parties of the the contract and the idea was that if you break this then this is what's going to happen to you maybe you know the, the blood shed by these animals uh, to establish the covenant the contract if you break this contract you break this covenant then uh, this is what's going to happen to you as well and um, so that's what's going on um, Abraham's preparing this the, the contract so to speak and we see that it, it doesn't happen instantly he's got to fight off the birds so God said do this and, pre and he prepares this but then he, God doesn't come, the Lord doesn't come to sign the contract immediately, so to speak. Again, we read, uh, birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. And in verse 12, the sun was going down. So this, this didn't happen instantly. But then a deep sleep fell on Abram. So then we know what follows here is, is, is either part of a dream where the Lord appeared to Abram, 
as he did in a vision in verse 1, or it's, it's after his, his sleep. But either way, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and we read, uh, Behold, a, a dreadful and a great darkness fell upon him. In verse 13, the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So here we're looking forward, looking forward to the Exodus. We're looking forward to uh, preceding that God's people being in slavery and bondage in Egypt for 400 years, four generations. But we read in verse 16, they shall come back here in the fourth generation. So Abram's been told, look, there is going to be this period of bondage. There is going to be this period of slavery, but I will bring them back. They shall come back here in the fourth generation. So again, he's had to wait. Well, he He's going to have to wait 15 years for the promise of verse 4. And now he's been told, look, there's going to be this period. There's going to be 400 years. All these offspring that are going to be yours, they're going to be taken away. Now, what a tense moment this must have been for Abram. He's been told that you're going to have so many offspring. Look at the stars. They're going to be just like you. are going to be so many but they're going to be carried away for 400 years. And we've said in the last couple of weeks that Abram is, is beginning to trust God, is learning to trust God. And, and this is another big step on that journey. Look, know for certain this is going to happen. You will have offspring, but know for certain that they're going to be servants. They're going to be afflicted for 400 years. That's a long time, isn't it? But Abram sticks with it. And we read in verse 17, When the sun had gone down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire put on a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And the fact that these, these, these real people are listed adds a lot of literal authenticity to it. This is not some kind of pie-in-the-sky promise. God's saying, look, I'm going to give you this land in which these people live. It's not just some... Yeah, don't worry, I'll give you land to live in. It's very specific, it's very literal, it's, it's this land in this place. But the, the biggest thing here, the most important thing to take, probably from Genesis 15 as a whole, we read in verse 18, On that day, the Lord made, or the Lord cut a covenant with Abram. And we see that the Lord, God Most High, made this covenant. He didn't, Abram was kind of watching from the side. Abram's not walking with God through these contractually sacrificed animals. God is making this covenant. God is guaranteeing this covenant. It's unilateral. God's doing it by himself. It's not bilateral. They're not doing it together. Abraham never signed it, so to speak. 
and God's putting his word on the line that this is going to happen. You've just got to believe me. God makes this covenant, not Abraham. And for Abraham to inherit the blessings of it, for Abraham to partake in this covenant, he needs only to believe the Lord. And what a great picture that is for us of the body of Jesus broken for us. The new covenant established in his blood that we bring nothing to the table. We don't add to it. He doesn't make it with us as the Mosaic law was made with the people. Because if it rests on us, it's going to fail, isn't it? But the new covenant, Jesus' blood shed for us, Jesus' body broken for us. Again, it's he, God established this, Jesus established this. And all we need to do is be like Abram in Genesis 15, 6. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And for a very brief time, so I read uh, in 1 Kings chapter 8, and maybe 2 Kings 14, uh, the, the, Abram's descendants, the, the people of Israel, did rule all of this territory as a little bit of a preview of how things are going to be uh, in the future. But again, the, the, the main thing to come out of Genesis 15 is the fact that God established this covenant of righteousness by faith, of justification by faith. All Abram needed to do was believe. And that is a wonderful type, a preview, a picture looking forward to the New Testament where the body of Jesus broken for us, the blood of Jesus shed for us. He put himself on the line to guarantee this covenant. It rests on him and his faithfulness. And all we need do is to have faith in his faithfulness to uphold this covenant. Because we know, don't we, that if it rests on us, it's not going to rest for very long. So Genesis 15, quite a short chapter, but there's some, some huge, big themes in here that we see again and again throughout the whole counsel of God's word to us. You know, pretty much mainly this justification by faith. And what a great thing that is for us. Next time in Genesis 16, we, we're going to talk about Sarah. We're going to talk about Hagar. But until then, God bless. God bless.